The views expressed in our Chop Talk podcast are those of the individual participants only and do not necessarily express the views of the Lambda Chi Alpha fraternity or its chapters or members. Our Chop Talk podcasts are intended to be as open and honest with our members as possible, but we acknowledge that certain topics may be sensitive, graphic, or emotionally challenging. Please use your own discretion to avoid any material that you may find potentially painful or difficult. Hey, Taylor. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah? Yeah. So I was actually scrolling around on LinkedIn uh, the other day. Okay. um, And so it really got me thinking about jobs and interviews, which I I hope LinkedIn does that for most people. (laughs) You would hope so. Yeah. Um, And so I thought it would be a good time to kind of sit down and talk about um, interviewing tactics and Mm -hmm. people in the workplace and how to like conduct yourself professionally within a workplace. And so I think it would be a good topic for today's podcast. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're almost to April. um, And so, you know, seniors are going to be graduating soon and looking for that first job. So yeah, I think it's a great topic to talk about um, young professionals in the workplace. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Welcome back to the Chop Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Covert, joined as always by Taylor Weitzer. Woo! And our assistant to the executive producer, Jaron Will. How we doing? So I think our topic today um, is very applicable for not only graduating seniors in May, um, but just for all of our our young members um, looking to get into the workplace. Definitely. Yeah. So why don't we kick things off with some interview tips? Let's do it. Um, so as we know, you know, the interview is the most important part in trying to get a new job. That's where, you know, an employer will see you um, and get to know you and see what you can do for them. Um, so it's it's really imperative that you make a really good first impression. So how do we do that? I don't know, but I think you have a list of things that will help us. I do, yes. So first and foremost, you need to research uh, the industry and the company for which you are um, interviewing for. Definitely. And I I think that's really important to do because um, you want to show the employer, number one, that you're invested and number two, that um, this means a lot to you, that you're pursuing this job because you you care about the mission of the company, what the company's doing, and you're not just going to show up day to day just for a paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think that that kind of passion is really attractive to employers. Um, you know, for instance, when I was interviewing for this job, sure, I wasn't in Greek life or in a fraternity, um, in my undergrad, but I did my research, you know, I, I researched what are the core values of Lambda Chi Alpha? What, what do we stand for, you know, as, as an organization? And I think that that really, you know, made a difference. Obviously I'm here. (laughs) And and one of the things that I've interviewed for a job before and, and what I did is I looked at like the values and the mission of the company. Yeah. And then what I tried to do is how do I apply those to my daily life? life, my work experience. And so then when talking to the employer, I say like your mission statement really correlates with me uh, because of these reasons. And and this is how I incorporate it in my day-to-day operations in life. And and so it just shows them that you're really looking into the company and how you can become the best fit. Yeah, definitely. Um, And another thing under that category um, that this website that I did my research on, um, it says avoid trying to thoroughly research a dozen different co- industries. You know, you kind of want to narrow your focus in on one industry or one company and really do your research well for that one company. Um, so that would be tip number one. Mm-hmm. So moving on, um, tip number two would be clarify your selling points in quotes and the reasons you want the job. So to me, that really says, why should this company hire me and what do I bring to the table um, that they wouldn't be able to find somewhere else? You know? Yeah. I I think you have to make yourself marketable. Yes. How do you make an addition to the team instead of just being another body to fill a space? But um, what qualities or qualifications make you better than the other candidates that are applying as well? Right. Right. Um, You know, and it says, be prepared to tell the interviewer why you want that job. You know, I think back to your point of, you know, it's it's not just another paycheck. You want to show that you really want this job and you think that you would be a good fit. Um, And those selling points are really going to say, you know, I have this skill. I have this skill. This is how this is going to fit into this position in this organization. Yeah, and I, I guess I would even take that a step further and even talking about skills that maybe you don't have or you don't have perfected. Sure. Um, and, and talk to the employer like these are the things that I'm looking to gain right. from this job. Right. Um, so you're also showing them that they can help you grow. Yeah. I, I think it needs to be a very mutual relationship when you're 
in a job. Definitely. Um, you need to, to bring something, but also be there to want to gain something from the company or organization that you're working for. Right. Um, so I think you should show that as well. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, at the end of the day, each employer, I think an organization will understand that, you know, you're, you are a young professional, mm -hmm. so you won't have all that work experience. Um, and so, you know, is it a good investment in on their part to hire you and that you are a person that's really willing to learn and grow with that organization mm -hmm. and they're putting, you know, that trust into you, um, you know, and, and for instance, an interview, uh, I had, um, a while ago, I think, um, I was honest and said, you know, I think that my graphic design could be better. And mm -hmm. that's something that yeah. I'm willing to learn, you know, I'm willing to perfect. Um, and I think that that was a really good point. And it's not, not so much as, you know, admitting a weakness, but I think admitting that you want to grow in your, in your profession. Definitely. And I, th well, I think that doing this also allows the, the applicant to look introspectively to figure out really what do they want to do. Right. Right. So when you're applying, you're, you're thinking about, okay, how can I sell myself to this company? Mm -hmm. But like, can I sell myself to this company? Cause if, if I want to work in, in sports, right, I probably wouldn't apply for a job in, in politics necessarily because right. I, though I would learn professional skills, it's not what I want to do at the end of the day. And mm -hmm. so there's, I bring something to the table that other candidates might not, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like, will that job help me get to where I want to be working in sports or really, I mean, it, uh, this applies to any industry. Yeah. Um, and I really think that that being able to sell yourself to a company that way really lets you kind of understand really what you want to do long-term. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Are we ready for tip number three? Let's do it. Okay. Um, so this one is anticipate the interviewer's concerns and reservations. Um, so a little bit more about that. Um, there are always more candidates for positions than there are openings. So interviewers look for ways to screen people out. So put yourself in their shoes and ask yourself why they might not want to hire you. So that's a little bit interesting. You know, you have to kind of think, well, what, what might they see in me that maybe they do have some reservations on. Um, so being able to answer those and be prepared for that, I think is just so important. Yeah. Uh, looking at job descriptions and postings, you'll see a list of qualifications normally. Yeah. Um, nine times out of the 10, you're not going to meet every qualification that the position is looking for. for sure. Um, and so you may think that is like, oh, I guess I shouldn't apply or they're right. never going to pick me. I, that's not the case. Um, the employer's putting out their ideal candidate. Um, the odds of them finding their ideal candidate are, are slim to none. Mm -hmm. um, and so they put that out there to get a range of people who have a mix of these qualifications. Definitely. Um, so don't ever look at that as a deterrent, but a way to grow. Right. Um, but back to your point is that anticipate those questions because the employer is going to say, why don't you have these qualifications or why? Sure. What are you going to do to to obtain these? And so right. be prepared to answer that question. Yeah. And I think that that goes back to, um, you know, being willing to learn, too. And, you know, you can say, well, I might not have this qualification, but I am, you know, willing to learn. I'm a quick learner. Mm -hmm. um, I can, you know, get to a point where I am comfortable with that. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that I think a cover letter really plays into this because, yeah, an, an employer will look at your resume and say, okay, they might not have three of the four qualifications on paper yeah. that, that, that I'm looking for as an employer. But in the cover letter, you can just address those things, not necessarily say, right. I know that the qualification said X, Y, Z, I only have Z. You leverage your experiences that you wouldn't necessarily put in your resume mm -hmm. to really kind of sell yourself more. I think it goes back to the second tip of selling yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, because you can really address those because it people might weed you out based on just resume alone mm -hmm. um, if you don't have those qualifications, but really leveraging your cover letter to maximize the experience that you do have in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So slight uh, side tangent, um, talking about the cover letter and the resume. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think Jaren, you're right on with, you know, the cover letter allows an employer to see a little bit more of you than just, you know, the bullets on your resume. So having a solid cover letter um, is just so important. Um, and I will say that, 
you know, it's it's important to highlight your most recent experience mm-hmm. at the top and then work your way back. I've seen a lot of cover letters where it's in order from the first job to your most recent, but you kind of want to flip that and say, this is what I've been doing recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think that's more applicable. Yeah. And, and more or less what you're listing below that is how you got to the point you're at now. Right. Um, and, and so you, you built a foundation now you're building on top of it. So um, yeah. having the most recent experience, I think, is the most important because you're most up to date on that. Definitely. Definitely. And same goes for your resume too. Um, and so I'm curious to hear your guys's opinions on resumes. Um, what do you think about having, you know, a multiple page resume versus just a one pager? I, I think there is a lot of back and forth on this one. The one thing that I would say is if you're fresh out of college, um, you've only had a very limited work experience. Sure. Um, the best thing is to keep a resume at a page. Um, with that being said, it depends on what profession you're in. Um, right. I've seen some people who go into higher education who will have multiple page resumes because they've gone to conferences and did these internships and worked at these different um, co-ops. And so um, there's a lot more to list and it's kind of more of a, a reference page, like a, a sure. of different things you've done instead of just your, your standard business resume. So um, I would say that it really depends on the industry you're going in. So yeah. um, research, research, research to make sure you're doing the most proper format right. for your resume. So my my theory and, and take on this, I suppose, is I like to think, so you have your your one page resume is, is what you think of a, when you think of a resume, that's what that first page is. Mm-hmm. And if you're going into certain professions, you have a second page that's formatted a little bit differently and kind of can expand on those those other experiences that you have. So mm-hmm. in, in Mike's the higher ed example, you've got your one page that's your typical, your job experience, your volunteer experience, um, extracurriculars, those things. And then that second page is, okay, well, I also attended these 12 conferences. I facilitated at these 12 events, whatever that experience is. Um, I think that that's kind of how I look at it because that – that resume should be kind of the summation of of your experience. Sure. And that second page is then kind of how you can expand on that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, and I will say too that I think it is great if you can differentiate yourself with your resume. Um, so having, you know, a resume that is maybe more, you know, graphically pleasing or not just like a word template. Um, and I've always heard that, you know, to get your resume in front of someone and have them spend more than a few seconds on it, it needs to be pleasing to the eye. Yeah. I think the best way to look at it is if let's say a hiring professional has 300 resumes sitting on their desk that they have mm-hmm. to go through. And so the first thing they skim through is maybe length of resume. Sure. Um, and as they're doing that, they look at resumes that are eye catching, right. whether it's just a color or it's something that stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's something there that, that makes them double take. Right. Um, and so that's how your resume makes it to that next pile. Um, and so if it's a very plain word template, um, unfortunately, I think you're going to get passed over. But the one thing I would say is that we're not asking you to be a graphic artist by any means. No, not at all. Um, what I did with my resume um, when I was working on it is I had um, a, a freelance graphic artist just kind of spruce it up a little bit. Definitely. I paid like 80 bucks, um, had my resume and cover letter both spruced up, just had a little bit more color to it, changed the font, yeah. little, uh, formatting a little different just to really um, make it that that more eye-catching right. for that hiring professional. And it's worth it, definitely. definitely. And I will say for people who are who might be averse to that, who might not feel comfortable reaching out to someone, sure. um, contrary to popular belief, Word does have some really cool, um, more graphic, heavy templates. Yeah. You, you might have to dig a little bit uh, because they're obviously they're going to, the top couple are going to be the plain, basic, right. word, Word-centric um Templates, but if you dig a little bit deeper, there are some some more graphic heavy and more kind of eye popping yeah. resume templates actually in Word. So if you if you do feel averse, like there is that option there, you just might have to look a little bit harder yeah. than, than surface level when you're looking for a template. And definitely, Word. the other thing that I would say about resumes in general, um, when you're sending your resume to somebody, make sure you put it into a PDF. Um, and I say yes. that because Word number one. 
can change the format depending on what version somebody has of Microsoft Word. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the first piece because you send it, you have it formatted all beautiful. They open it and then it looks like shit. Like you should really make sure that you <laughs> are sending sure. it in a yeah. format that is not going to change. Yes. Um, I think that is, is one of the things that I see quite often. The other one is make sure you read your resume. <laughs> um, if there's grammatical errors, there's spelling errors, that is the first thing that's going to stand gonna out to a professional. It's going to trash. Yeah. And, and most job descriptions will say somebody who has a good written and verbal communication. Yes. And so obviously you show on your resume that you do not have good written communication. You've already fought your resume is already in the trash. Right. Um, so definitely make sure that you and that you have a few other people read it, send it to somebody online. I don't care, but have somebody else review it. Yeah. yeah I had my phone number wrong on, on one of my resumes. Good job. I, I never, I never like actually submitted it for, for a job. <laughs> That's good. I, Cause they'd never call you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. How would they contact uh, you? Email address. Eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I had a friend look over it and it, it was one of those things where it's the last four digits of my phone number are zero three, three, two. I put zero three, two, two. Yeah. I think I was editing it and I, I moved it from one point in the resume to another. And I, I think I accidentally deleted one too many or something happened. And I had a friend look over that. I was like, you're sure this is your phone number? I looked at it. I was like, oh no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not, not right. right. Um, so that's, that's just an example that like, please have someone look over your resume. Right. Well, it it's kind of that thing about, you know, you look at it for so long that you don't oh, catch yeah. Yeah. the little mistakes. Um, yeah. So that's a great piece of advice. One more thing I wanted to bring up about um, resume writing is how do we repurpose um, our like summer jobs? You know, so say you're a server at a restaurant or something like that um, and you're fresh out of college and maybe that's a lot of the work experience you do have. So how can we repurpose that into a professional way that can help you, um, you know, get your first full-time job? I think that looking at when you're applying for a job, look at the qualifications and the experience that they look for Mm -hmm. and thinking back to that summer, summer serving job and thinking, okay, maybe I didn't manage someone if it's a role that requires management, but I, I worked with, I was a team lead. Okay. Or right. Would I, I don't have serving experience, so I, I really don't know. Um, or let's say like, like retail or something yeah. like that too. So, I mean, thinking about how you can apply a thing, you might not have done it every day, mm-hmm. but that one time where you had to take lead um, and really talk about that experience and how you impacted the the company that you were working for mm-hmm. and and how that can apply to what the job you're applying for right. is asking. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, and I think using, you know, those descriptions under your job title on your resume is so important and using, you know, those strong verbs and saying, you know, yeah, like maybe you, you led a shift at your restaurant, but making that into a point that is more attractive to employers, Mm -hmm. I think is, is really key. Yeah. I I think making it concise is important. Uh, making them bullet points and not paragraphs. I think Mm -hmm. it, it, it will, Will do wonders for you in the interview process. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one thing I've also heard um, for resumes is you want to show results and numbers, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, because I think that's what really catches employers' eyes. So say, you know, I worked on so many articles for the CNC. I would say, you know, I've I've produced and written over 50 articles for the CNC. Yeah. That's more impressive than, oh, wrote articles. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it just gives more context to to something that could be very broad and, and right. you make it a very specific, tangible piece of information so definitely. they can weigh out. Wow. That's impressive. Or yeah. Not. Yeah, definitely. Um, OK, so back to our interview tips. I yeah. know we kind of went off on a tangent there. But that's okay. We could talk about resumes all day. Yeah, exactly. Um, So our fourth resume tip is prepare for common interview questions. So I think that with any interview you go to, there are going to be those few questions um, such as tell me about yourself that are pretty common across the board, no matter where you go, what job you're applying for. So just preparing for those and knowing what you want to say. Um, that takes a load off of you and that makes you less nervous when you get there. Yeah. I would say two big ones is what you said is an elevator pitch. You should have a a 30 to 60 second elevator pitch of who you are, what you're trying to do and how do you accomplish that? The other piece would be, um, you should know how to talk about your, um, 
positives and negatives about you yeah. in a very positive way. Yes. Um, because they're going to ask you, um, what do you feel is your biggest deficit or downfall? Bingo. Um, and you shouldn't just say, yeah, well, I suck at, at receiving criticism. <laughs> that That's not great. Yeah. Um, don't say that. Um, give them some more context on, you know, um, I really appreciate when I get constructive criticism. I right. like having something that I can learn from while also understanding that maybe this was a mis misstep or mistake that Definitely. I made. Um, so making sure you have those um, prepared, ready to go. Um, and the last one I would say is make sure you have questions for the employer. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. um, that shows, number one, that you're interested. And number two, that you did some research. Right. Um, and don't ask about the salary. Um, <laughs> no. Up front, that is, that is not something you discuss. It could be a first round interview. You shouldn't say, also, how much am I going to be making in this position? Yeah. Um, that sounds very immature. That's a conversation you have when you've made it farther. You and know, you get like, an offer. Exactly. And you're you're a final candidate. Yes. And that's when you can have that conversation. Definitely. That's but a great point. Asking about next steps of the interview process, I think is very important. Yeah. So where do we go from here? What, what, what are my next steps? What should I expect next? Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I think going off the, you know, when, when you're inevitably asked, you know, what's your biggest weakness? Don't say that you work too hard. Don't say that. I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. Because though, I mean, you might be a hard worker or you might really think that you try to do your work to be perfect. So that, that just looks like it kind of, to me, it sounds like you're gloating. You're kind of glorifying your work ethic. Um, and I, I've always thought that's kind of can come off in a bad way to to an employer. Well, and I think that a lot of times we've been told, I know I've definitely been told that when you're interviewing, you're supposed to make that weakness something that's ultimately a positive. Yeah. I mean, make it you a know? positive, but don't like, right. Don't ov over glorify. Definitely. I suppose. Definitely. So yeah, being careful about what you say as your weakness, um, I think is important. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think going back to what, what Mike was saying about having that elevator pitch, one thing I will say is make sure you're not just reading straight from your resume in that you know, because I think that that's, that's pretty easy to do. You know, you have it right in front of you. Um, and it's easy to say, well, I, you know, went to Indiana university. I did this, I did this, I did this. I think in that elevator pitch, yes, you want to hit some of those things, but not reading straight from your resume, um, and make it a little bit more interesting. Add in a personal fact, you know, like I love music or something like that. Something to humanize you in this interview. It should be rehearsed. You yes. should do it in front of the mirror and mm -hmm. be okay with just yeah. spouting it off. Yeah. Um, that is that, that shows that you prepared for this um, and yeah. that you know who you are. Like, I, I think that is a big thing. It, it, if you read from your resume, it's like, huh, looks like that person only wrote a resume or someone wrote it for them. And so they're just trying to follow along with what somebody else thinks of them. This is about you. Yeah. And I try to... So that's always the hardest, not the hardest question, but I always can never think about, okay, what do I want to say in this, in this elevator pitch? Um, and the only thing I think I talk about from my resume is, you know, where I went to school, my name and what my degree was, everything else is just, it's that personal touch. Like, okay, how did I get to Ball State? How did I decide I wanted to be a marketing major? And then how can I take that experience to, to where I am in this interview? Mm -hmm. um, I think is a good, a good way to add that, you know, that personal touch, but also not read verbatim from your resume. Right. Um, you know, and, and something else that is one of these tips, but we'll just kind of gloss over is make sure you do bring printed resumes yes. to your interview. Um, that helps your interviewer um, in case, you know, they need a refresher or they didn't print one out themselves. It helps you to kind of, you know, take a second and look through your resume um, and get your thoughts together. And so if you do forget something, it's right in front of you. On resume paper too, not just yes. normal printer paper. Yep. Yep. And I would say um, good practice is five copies of your cover letter, resume, and references. Yes. Um, don't hand your references right away. Wait until the end. Um, I also have a list of references. Um, right. Would you like them? Yeah. Um, but yeah, make sure you bring at least five or know the amount of people that are going to be interviewing you because there are some people who go to a, a boardroom of, of 12 people that are interviewing right. and make sure you have enough. Um, so that is a great pre-interview question to ask whoever contacts you. Definitely. How many Definitely. people can I expect to meet with? Yes. That's yeah. It's and easy. if they say four and they say, at, when you show up, they say, oh, I have six of the people joining us, then it's, it's not your fault if you don't have enough. Um, but it's that at the end, get everyone's business card mm -hmm. and say, I didn't have a printed copy, um, but can, I can, I can, can email I send you. it yep. to you. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Um, okay. So then our last tip 
that we are going to talk about is speak the right body language. So I think that is just key when you are in an interview situation that, you know, you're sitting up straight, you make direct eye contact with your with your interviewer um, and you look the part. You know, I, I know we've talked about this before in that your clothes and how you dress is basically an advertisement for you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so making sure that you have that good body language, um, you know, you're, you're speaking directly. Uh, you don't use vocal fillers. Definitely. Um, like I just did. <laughs> uh, but it's it's so important. Um, and just making that that case for yourself almost. Yes. You are now a walking resume. So now right. you have to, not, your resume got you through the door. Uh, now you need to get to the next step. Um, so you need to um, make yourself eye-catching. You need to make yourself stand out from the rest of the candidates. And so right. how are you going to do that? I'm not telling you to wear a, a pink shirt and a <laughs> sign around your neck, but right. I'm telling you to make sure you're dressed for the part um, that ultimately wants this job. Yeah. Don't definitely. wear a tux though either. That's, yeah, prob- yeah and, unless not. unless you're interviewing for like a, a limo driver or right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. a, a butler or something, <laughs> I, I would say that would, might be. Pro- Make sure you dress situationally. No, 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 the part. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Hmm. exactly. Sounds like someone said that recently. Hmm. Interesting. Crazy. <laughs> um, well, those are our interview tips. Um, it's a lot to digest. Yeah. The one thing I would say that we didn't talk about, um, and I've gone through this situation quite a few times um, while interviewing is group interviews. Oh, yeah. Um, because they can be challenging. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of different factors to worry about. Um, number one is um, how do you show up? Um, it, but the ultimate thing is, is you are competing for a position. Like always think about there is one position for 10 people. Right. Or how many people are in your group. And and you are competing. This is not a time to... Um, make friends with them. Um, but you should also be willing to work with them during the interview. Um, make sure you're, you're courteous, make sure you communicate. Um, the one thing that I always do in a group interview is as people are introducing themselves, I write down their name and maybe what they're wearing. Hmm. Um, and so when I I'm talking like, Oh yeah, so-and-so gave this great feedback. I also agree with this. And this is what I would add to it. Uh, Because it also shows that you're paying attention, um, to the interviewer. Um, yeah. To make sure that they know that you're not just kind of shutting everyone else out right. and giving them the direct answers that they're looking for. Right. Um, because they did a group interview for a reason. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. And it's usually because you're going to be working on some type of team. Yeah. And so I was actually a little story. Um, I was applying to be an orientation leader at Ball State. And they one of the first things they do is they take everyone who applied and they invite you to a, kind of a social type thing. They They reserve a room in our student center and have like catering there, just like little, little snacks and, and drinks. And they put all of the, the returning orientation leaders. Cause I already know who's, who's going to be returning, who's not in that room. And typically you, you don't know who they are. They also make sure that the people who are the coordinators and kind of who would be your student boss, they put in that room. And the idea is they, they are watching for your social excellence. Like they want to know that you're not sitting off in a corner and that you're actually going to go out and like talk to and, and mingle and meet new people and, really get to know them because and they're like, they're just in the, like they basically just watch for that. And because obviously a student orientation leader, like they want someone who's going to be socially excellent and not extremely timid. Um, and so that's another example is don't make sure you, you spread yourself out and, and get to know other people that you're interviewing with. Maybe not be best friends with them, but get to know them that way you can, you know how you could work with them if you were potentially going to be working with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think another aspect of interviewing is the phone interview slash the Skype interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's another beast in itself. Um, personally, I have always been nervous about phone interviews um, because, you know, you're not face to face with that person. It's a little bit harder to connect. Um, but with, with a phone interview, I would say, you know, printing off that resume still and having that in front of you, you know, taking notes, having a notebook, um, and then just really, you know, selling yourself like, like you do in, in a real person interview. Yeah. The one advice I would say is it's, it's very easy to get distracted, um, on a phone interview. So the biggest thing is making sure you're in a place where you have zero distractions, um, making sure that, um, you're not just doing it in an office at, at where your current employer or um, you have friends over at an apartment or like you really need to make sure you isolate yourself to yeah. make yeah. sure yeah. that you are 100 percent focused on the task at hand. Right. Exactly. Make sure you don't have any you know background noise. Mm-hmm. 
um, a dog barking in the background, you know? Um, Yeah. And then, then you should be good. Um, And with the Skype interview, that's a little bit, I think, tricky because, you know, you are technically face to face with someone, but it still is, you know, you're not in person with that person. Um, and I will say that I had a Skype interview once. This is this is a big no, no. So don't make my same mistake. So I dressed up on the top. So I had like, you know, a blazer on or whatever, and then my pajama pants on the Mm. bottom. And at one point during the interview, they asked me for something. I forget what it was. And I had to go get it. So when I stood up, they saw my pajama pants. Perfect. Solid. Yeah. So don't do that. Um, You know, even though they're just seeing, you know, the top half of you, make sure that you are dressed as if you were in person with them. Yeah. I would say prepare for a phone and or Skype interview, just like you would any other interview. Definitely. Um, Because you're in that mindset. Yeah. If you're in the phone, like a good, a good rule of thumb is you know, use headphones, plug, plug headphones into your phone sure. and, and talk to that because it, it really helps you drown out some of the background, like not necessarily background noise, but it helps you be in, in the zone, right? right? You're not holding your phone to your ear, right? You can, you're not on speakerphone cause that, that's a, can cause a lot of distractions. Right. Um, and you can solely focus on what you're hearing, what you're saying and what you're, the notes you're taking or definitely. what you're reading off your resume. Yeah, so. definitely. Definitely. Um, so, you know, moving away from our interview tips, at this point, you know, you've gotten the job. We're all excited. Mm-hmm. You know, you're it's your first day. You're starting off. Um, so I think that it's great to talk about office personalities at this point. Yes. Yes. Um, and just, you know, how to navigate, you know, being an, a young professional in an office where you probably will be one of the younger ones in that space um, and how you deal with. Um, you know, engaging with other coworkers. Maybe there are some difficult coworkers, how you navigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's jump into that. Yeah, definitely. The first thing I would say is when you're going into an office environment um, that you're new to, you should usually take the first month or two just to pay attention to dynamics. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying keep your head down, don't talk to anyone, but um, your first two months is time for you to... Um, familiarize yourself with your surroundings. Right. And so you watch how other people interact with each other and, and how the engagement goes on and, and mm-hmm. um, do's and don'ts of the office. Like, don't be afraid to ask questions like that. Right. Um, because if you go into a workplace and start demanding things and and really trying to push people saying, well, this is how I've done it in the past, or this is how I've done it for my, my former employer, like you're going to rub people the wrong way and put a bad taste in their mouth. Definitely. And, it, and you are quickly going to push yourself away from the culture of the company and no one's going to want to work with you. Um, and odds are you probably won't be in that environment for very long. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I just think that, you know, it, it's a matter of, you know, like Mike said, learning the ways of the office and and seeing who can be, you know, those mentors to you um, and asking a lot of questions and just being very open to saying, you know, hey, I can do that. Like maybe that's not in my job description, but I'm willing to do that. Yeah. You know, show that you are a team player. Definitely. Yeah. So like in that in that first month or two that you're trying to adjust and kind of really take everything in. Also, just don't close yourself off as well. Yeah. Don't don't just keep to yourself. You know, take the time to, you know, kind of ease your way into different social circles within the company um, because then it gets to a point where you've been there for two months. No one knows who you are. You don't talk to you anyone. You don't talk to anyone. <laughs> you, you reserve to yourself. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, don't forget Joe over in the corner that, that works here as well. Um, People are like, who? Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> Find, find that balance between keeping to yourself and kind of learning, taking everything in, but also putting yourself out there and, and learning. Don't And don't be afraid to like invite someone to lunch. Be like, hey, you know what? I'd like to get you to know you a little bit more. Yeah. Would you like to go get lunch? Sure. Um, which takes me to another, another question for you guys. Okay. So you're at work. Someone invites you to lunch. Uh-huh. Does the person, is, is, it a, is it an expectation in your mind that if I was to invite you to lunch, that I pay for the lunch? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Or- do you pay separately or how do you, how do you approach that? Especially if it's a working lunch, I suppose. I would say it's definitely situational for me. I'm always under the mindset that I'm just going to pay for myself. You know, like mm-hmm. I never yeah. expect anyone to pay for me. Um, I guess if it was like a boss taking me out for lunch, like my first week or something, 
I would then probably expect them to pay for lunch, you know, as, as they welcome me to the company. Um, but I, I, I would say never assume that someone is going to pay for you. Definitely. Um, and just, you know, be under the, under the assumption that like I will pay for myself and this is just a way to, to get to know this coworker better. Life advice. Do not assume that people are going to do things for you. Yay. Honestly, <laughs> always so be yeah. under the assumption that you need to do it on your own. Right. Um, you need to complete it on mm -hmm. your own. So th th that's the thing is going to a work lunch, even if it's a working lunch, even if work is forcing you to be there <laughs> uh, until someone else picks up the bill, assume that you are paying. Right. Um, and what I usually do is if the person, and once the waiter comes on, are we going to have uh, one check or two? I wait for the person who initiated lunch to yes. answer that question. That's a, that's uh, a yeah. good practice. But yes, I, I would never make the assumption that um, somebody is buying me lunch. Well, and also that, that kind of looks bad too. Yeah. You know, yeah, and you, you don't want to make that bad impression of like, oh, well, I thought you were paying for lunch. You know, yeah, I didn't if, bring my wallet. If someone does do that and they do take pick up the tab and you know they're going to do that, don't order the most expensive thing on the menu. Right. Order order like you would order for yourself if yes. you were paying. Yes. Um, because, Be mindful. Yeah. And if you if you do end up ordering something that's on the more expensive end and, and you thought that you were buying that for yourself mm -hmm. and they say, oh, no, I'll pick up the tab, then don't be afraid to combat them and say, no, like, I feel bad that I ordered this $30 steak. <laughs> I at least either offer to pay them back mm -hmm. or be really adamant that you pay for yourself because at the same time, I think that that's a little, especially if you get something that was more expensive than them mm -hmm. um, because that kind of can yeah. come off the wrong way. Well, and I think a bottom line we can take away from this is, you know, don't take advantage of your coworkers, your boss, your company, you know, be very mindful of, um, you know, if they have a budget or their, their funds, you know, that go to the organization, you, you never want to take advantage of that. Oh yeah. Cause definitely. that will get you a, a very bad reputation. Yes. So discussing coworkers, yes. um, I imagine we all have a situation, um, where there's maybe one person or a few people in the office that are, are either difficult to work with. Yes. Um, they never got the memo about the staff environment or know that you guys are a working family. Um, and maybe they think they're above everyone else, but, um, I kind of wanted to talk about that yeah. a little bit. Um, the first thing I would say is that, um, working with somebody who's like that, um, you need to understand that whatever you say is not going to change the way they act. So right. you just need to keep it professional. Um, and whether that is just, asking them what they need in a timeline. And, yeah. and that's the gist of the conversation. Um, whatever you need to do, but you still have to work with them at right. the end of the day. Cause if, if not, you guys can't work together, you're not going to be employed for very long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. And then, you know, if it gets to a point where you feel like it is, you know, out of your comfort zone or out of your, out of your hands and you can't really handle it, um, going to, you know, your direct supervisor or a trusted um, you know, mentor in the organization and just asking for help, you know, Hey, so-and-so is, you know, I, I find it very difficult to work with them. How can I navigate this situation? Yeah. And I heard this phrase recently, take it to the source. Mm. Um, so the one thing I would tell you, um, that before you go to your supervisor, try to address the conversation, try sure. to ad address the issue with that individual. And when that, um, does not have any result, um, then take it to the next level. But your supervisor is going to say to you when you go to them, so have you talked to this person? You don't want to be like, well, well no. no. <laughs> then yeah. how right. are you going to resolve a problem? Because right. you should yeah. also show that you have the ability to resolve conflict yeah. um, in any job, no matter what you do. Definitely. Um, so, but there are always going to be people like that. If you work, no matter in a, where you yeah, go, if you work in, a, in an environment where um, there's not one person that's difficult to work with, please let me know. Cause I will, I will apply right now. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. We'll, we'll apply. Yeah. We'll uh, get hired. The other thing too is, is um, I've, I have and had coworkers that are demanding to where like they're, um, priority now becomes my emergency. Yes. Um, which is, it's very unfortunate that that happens, that they feel that they are above everybody else and all the work that you're doing. Um, but once again, you just need to say, unfortunately, I can't get it done in this timeline. Um, when, when is the earliest that I can, can assist you with this, or this is the earliest I can get it done for you. Yeah. Um, and, and if they're not okay with that, have that conversation and, um, go from there. But, yeah. uh, unfortunately it, it, it is, hard to deal with people like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've all experienced that even in our current positions, but yes. um, it's something that we have to do. Yeah, it's just a way of life. 
Yeah. Well, and I think that that kind of bridges into, you know, owning what you know um, and be and feeling empowered enough to say, you know, I don't have time for this right now. You know, I have X, Y and Z on my plate. Why don't we find a solution for that or I'll, I'll get back to you? Yeah. And having the wherewithal to say I can say that to this person. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like a lot of times young professionals kind of fall into this trap of, you know, well, I'm not as senior as this person or I haven't been in the in the professional world as long as this person. So every single request I get, I have to do it, you know, right now. Yeah. Um and that's just not the case, you know. And you know, be personally being in the working world for now two to three years. Um, I've I've really learned that because at the beginning of my career, I would have done exactly that. Just mm-hmm. said, okay, I'll get it done for you right now, and I'll drop everything else that I I needed to do. Um, but you know, just having that that courage, honestly, to say, hey, I need to prioritize my time in an efficient manner. I will get to that, and I I know that that's important to you, but I just need to fit that in. To where I'm not, you know, stressing myself out. And I think that, you know, having those conversations with your, with your direct supervisor, with yeah. your department head of, okay, because inevitably there will be someone in the, in the company that if they come to you with an, with a request, then it more than likely could be priority. Sure. Right. If Bill Farkas was to come with me with a, come to me with a request, I would more than likely drop everything I was doing, um, and, and fulfill that request for him because mm-hmm. obviously he's the CEO. Right. Um, so having those conversations of, okay, who which employees should be prioritized over others. Right. Right. If, if Alyssa was to ask me to, she said, I really need this email out. I, I would be willing to break our, our email policy in terms to, to make sure that that email goes out in time because there are certain people who have certain deadlines and things can't be as scheduled as others. Mm-hmm. So I think don't, not being afraid to ask those questions to your boss of, okay, give me, give me a lay of the land. Who, right. who trumps who, who's the, who's the priority? Um, how should I prioritize things when, when asked by various staff members? Yeah. So uh, Jaren, I, I think that's a really great point. The other thing that I would say is, is as a young professional, um, people are probably going to look down upon you mm-hmm. um, as in you're less, or you have little experience in, in what you're doing, or um, maybe you're just Snapchatting on the job, things like that. Um, sorry, Jaren was Snapchatting. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a good point, but um, I, I, you may find that people look down upon you um, as a young professional, as in yeah. you don't have real world experience. Um, you only have classroom experience. Right. Maybe they have a higher degree than you, like a master's degree, and, and you only have a bachelor's. All of those situations may and probably will happen. Sure. Um, and so it, it's hard not to get offended um, by people questioning you or, or even right. going above your head sometimes to... Uh, to overturn maybe a decision or, or something that you did. Uh, but it's, it comes down to, you still need to work with that person and, and maybe educate them. Like, this is the reason that I made this decision yeah. or, or did this. Right. Um, but it, it's still really hard to navigate. What do you guys think? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I think that that's one of the biggest problems that young professionals face in terms of, you know, like you said, like you don't have enough experience, you don't have a master's degree, what have you. But I think just being able to tell someone you know, hey, this is what I went to school for. You know, I maybe I don't have a lot of, um, you know, work experience and real world experience, but, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. and this is why and and spelling it out for that person. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I, I, I can relate to this a lot just because I am the youngest person on on our professional staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have our consultants, but they're, I mean, they're obviously in a very different role. Right. Um, whereas I'm, I'm in the office every day. I, I am the youngest person by at least two years, I believe. Um, cause I think Taylor, you're, you're two years older than me and I've, yeah. you're the, you're the next youngest. Right. Um, yeah. and it's, it was hard for me having, having graduated in May just, just over a year ago, um, or under a year may have la- having graduated may of last year, it, that I, I am the youngest. I, but I'm, I'm in a role where I inf- not influence a lot of work that gets done, but a lot of things well, have to say, go. Yeah, you, ha, a lot of things have to go through you me. You influence prior to, a lot of things. You yeah, know? and it's it was hard for me to, when someone comes with me and to to get to the point where I could say, well, no, that's not how we're going to do this. Or it was hard for me to recommend ideas when I have an idea for something, right? Because I, I was scared that I was going to be shot down by someone who was who was over my head, and it, some of my ideas have been. But I think it's it's okay to 
to recommend things to get shot down because you're you're still you're just it's just a recommendation. Worst case scenario, people say no, but don't be afraid to offer your ideas because you get hired for a reason. You're in the role that you are for a reason. Right. Um, and that means someone trusted you and had confidence in, in your ability to work, to do things, to do the work. Yeah. So don't be afraid to, don't hide behind, oh, I'm younger than someone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, finding that voice in your organization is just, it's trial and error, honestly. Yeah. You know, because you, you might have a great idea, but it gets shut down. And I think just having that, resilience. And that goes back to our you know, conversation with Aaron Fisher, um, having that resilience to say, okay, I'm not going to take this personally. Like, yeah, I thought it was a good idea, but it got shot down and understanding, you know, maybe why it got shot down because, you know, maybe it wasn't the right thing for the, for the company at that mm-hmm. time. Um, but still, you know, having that sense of saying, okay, that got shot down, but I'm going to keep trying. Definitely. So talking about the office environment, um, one of the things that uh, I I think I notice a lot is is the way people dress. Um, People say either dress for the position or you should always be in formal wear. Um, I kind of go by the the mantra of, um, I sit in front of my computer all day. (laughs) My computer does not care what I look like. Um, (laughs) Are you sure? I I hope not. (laughs) Um, I I interact with people very rarely when it comes to people outside of my building. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But- that's not saying that I'll never wear a suit or I'll never dress a step up from where, where I normally do. But, um, I just feel to be the most comfortable in the job that I am doing. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not out of my comfort zone and I can get my work done in a a timely manner, um, without having any interference. And I I do think sometimes dress does make you, um, either uncomfortable or outside of, of your comfort zone. So that's my personal opinion, but what do you guys think? Well, and I think that also dress can have um, the opposite effect. And if you dress very professionally, maybe you have a mindset of like, oh, I'm going to be super productive today. Sure. You know, if you're working from home, for instance, I think, you know, getting out of your sweatpants and putting on actual, you know, decent clothes. The things you may wear to work. Yeah, exactly. would help with your productivity. Definitely. Um, so I think it can have that effect on, on you as well. Um, but I get what you're saying. Um, I would also say just pay attention to your office culture. Yeah. You know, pay attention to what other people are wearing and and find out for yourself what's okay and what's yeah. not. Don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, exactly. You know, because for instance, at here at IHQ, um, you know, a lot of um, our coworkers are male. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to ask uh, the other women on staff, you know, like, hey, is this okay? Because if I ask you guys, you're going to be like, I don't know. No. <laughs> um, so, you know, just finding what works best for you um, and asking people in your office as well. Yeah. And I think that it also, not only does it depend by your office, but also your department. Sure. Right. I mean, we'll be honest, like Tad, our director of communications, he's pretty lenient on, on what we wear as long right. as it's like business casual. So like he'll never expect us to wear a, a suit ever really. And that's if there's a board meeting or something super important happening. Right. Um, whereas other departments, like it is their expectation to have maybe a button up shirt yeah, or a button up shirt. Yeah. yeah. Um, but never the full, like our, like we'll more than likely never be, um, full jacket and tie. Right. But also being aware of, okay, that doesn't mean wear jeans on a Tuesday or even, even jeans on a Friday necessarily. Like there's, there are certain instances where, you know, not every Friday is casual jean Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I think that just changes. Yeah. So just be aware of those, of those things, um, not only office wise, but departmentally. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're allowed to have a wide variety of different clothing options, depending on your, your work environment, um, that still doesn't mean you can wear clothes that look like crap. Yeah. Um, right. and, and what I mean by that is if you wear a pair of jeans that looks like it got thrown through a wood chipper, probably not the best choice. To or wear to a ratty yeah. old t-shirt. Yes. Or, um, a tube top or, or <laughs> like there, there are things that you just should not be wearing in a, in a work environment across the board, no matter where you work. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Coming in with uh, pajama pants, unless you guys are having a pajama pants party, um, <laughs> probably not a good choice. Yeah. Um, so definitely dress for your audience. Know that you are still in a place of business that needs to operate. Right. And there is always the potential that um, your clientele, constituents, um, supervisor, boss, CEO, whatever is going to walk in and have a conversation with you. And you want to make sure you look presentable and not disheveled like you just rolled out of bed this morning. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I completely agree. And I will say that about, you know, your workspace too. 
Um, so like the same thing that goes for how you, how you present yourself, you should present your workspace in that manner too. So not have, you know, a bunch of empty water bottles just littered on your desk, Mm -hmm. you know, or fast food wrappers or, you know, paper strewn about, like it looks like a hurricane or a tornado just blew through your office. Right. Um, because that shows that to me, if I walk into someone's office, number one, it stresses me out. Number two, um, (laughs) it shows that if I ask this person a question, they are so, they look so unorganized. I yes. may not receive the correct answer. You're like, okay. Yeah. Um, so make sure you just have some type of organization in your right. life. I'm not telling you to be a Dewey decimal system as far as no. your filing is concerned, but make sure you have some type of structure in your life because that will make your professional career that much easier. Yeah. Um, and you're not always flipping through paper and maybe throwing something away on accident right, or right. noting something on the top margin and then forgetting what (laughs) one of a thousand pages you wrote it on. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just having like some sort of structure um, and finding what works best for you and how you can be, you know, organized in your own way. Definitely. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we hit a lot of topics today. um, Definitely. And I hope that this helps someone, you know, whether that is a graduating senior or someone looking to, to interview for a job that maybe they're scared about. Yeah. And I hope, we give you guys some good advice and we're always open to more yeah. uh, tips and tricks and we have flaws in our own advice. So of um, course. definitely reach out to us and let us know if you guys have anything else. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we do have some announcements. Announcements. Ooh. So as we've been saying, STED registration is live. Yay. Hooray. Um, so as we said before, STED is this summer, first weekend in August. Um, and that is in Denver and St. Louis. And you can pick whichever one you want to go to. Um, so it's not... Um, it's not based on on your location or anything. Uh, so more information can be found at lambdachai.org slash stead. Um, and there should be an email going out very soon. Very soon. <laughs> uh, so just be on the lookout for that. Also, we are hiring, um, talking about interview tips and and young professionals. Yeah. If, uh, <laughs> if you interview some of these jobs, I expect to see some of those. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the two positions that we are looking for, um, first of all, we have our summer internship that is available. Um, and so you can find that at lambdakai.org slash intern. Mm-hmm. And you can pick which area you are interested in um, interning. So, you know, communications, we have an intern, uh, business affairs, harm reduction, education, Foundation, yeah, all, all the above. Yeah, definitely. So if you're looking for an internship to, you know, meet a graduation requirement or just to get more experience, uh, check us out. Or if you want to move to the lovely city of Carmel, Indiana. It is lovely. Yes. Um, so you get to spend a, a <laughs> wonderful summer here at the International Headquarters. Yeah. Um, and then our second position that we are hiring and, and we are obviously very biased towards this position is content coordinator. Um, so, you know, if you have a strong background in journalism and want to write articles uh, for the CNC, this is the position for you. And we're, we're really excited about it. Um, so you can find out more about that at lambdakai.org slash careers. Yes. Thank you for sharing this, Taylor. Um, you betcha. I, I was an intern, so I, I loved that opportunity. I never did it in the summer, but yeah. it's a great opportunity for anyone, anyone looking for that experience. Um, so as always, before we go, remember to, to subscribe to the Chop Talk podcast on your favorite podcast streaming service. And don't forget to take our listener survey at lambdakai.org slash chop talk. We want to hear from you guys. We want to know who our listeners are so we can cater our content to you. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So on behalf of myself, Taylor, Jaron, and the rest of the staff at the International Headquarters, I want to thank you guys for listening. Yeah.